sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Okay, here and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. Well, uh, if you were reading the site a few months ago, you probably saw that massive series we did on the history of manly honor in the West. And in one of the articles we wrote, uh, we focused on what honor meant to men living in the American North at the time of the Civil War. And one of the sources we used for that article was a book called The Gentleman in the Roughs, Manhood, Honor, and Violence in the Union Army. A fascinating read, very good book. And today we're lucky enough to have the author of that book uh, on the podcast. Her name is Dr. Lorian Foote. She is a professor of history at the University of Central Arkansas. She's also a uh, fellow Okie and a fellow Sooner. She uh, was from Oklahoma originally, and she got her PhD in American history from the University of Oklahoma. And uh, so we're going to talk to Dr. Lorian Foote today about the history of manly honor in the Union Army. Well, uh, welcome to the show, Lorraine Foote. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you. I'm just thrilled to talk to you. I love your site. Oh, well, thank you very much. So your book, uh, The Gentleman in the Roughs, uh, it's Violence, Honor, and Manhood in the Union Army. Um, how did you get interested or what piqued your interest to start researching about honor and manhood, specifically in the Union Army during the Civil War? Because it's such a, like, such a narrow topic. Well, what, what piqued your interest to research that? Well, what happened, this book actually evolved out of the sources because I didn't originally intend to write about this. I was interested in questions of discipline and military justice. So I'd gone to the National Archives to read court-martial records. And as I was reading these cases, I, they just raised all these questions for me about honor, about manhood, and... Um, so, for example, I'd be reading trials of men who were court-martialed for conduct and becoming an officer and a gentleman. And in some cases, these were men who had shot an opponent or beaten somebody up, and it would be a 50- or 60-page trial. And 10 to 15 pages of it would be long discussions about whether or not this person had used the phrase, a son of a bitch. And I'm thinking, okay, he killed somebody, so why do they care whether he said son of a bitch while he killed someone? And, you know, those kind of questions led me down the road of looking at how these men conceived of honor and how they conceived of manliness. And it was really driven by what I found in the sources. 
Well, that, that's fast, fascinating. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that because it's, it's a lot more complicated than you think. A lot of people think honor, it's, oh, you know, I know what honor means. Yeah. And uh, of course, you, you don't need to write a whole book about how men and women uh, perceived honor. Um, but you found that there was actually honor for the Union soldiers was sort of this, uh, there was two kind of main threads, but it was sort of ambiguous. Sometimes you had one view and then sometimes you could slip into this other view. So it was like the honor of the gentleman and then the honor of the rust. Can you kind of briefly explain uh, what those two types of honor meant to these guys? Sure. And, and let me do it by, by rephrasing a little bit how, how we think about honor, because one of the things that that I found when people think about that concept, and it was a mistake that I made as well, is they think of honor almost synonymously with virtue. When I talk to people about the book, I've noticed that they think of honor as being someone with good character. And honor is a, is a particular um, way of, of looking at the world where you only have as much worth as other people give to you. And so you truly can't have any self-esteem or any sense of self-worth unless your peers recognize your claim. And so that definition of honor applies to different cultures and different groups in different periods of history and different places in the world. So if we look at the United States and the Confederacy during the Civil War, we can apply that definition of honor and say, okay, what groups lived by that definition and then how do they display honor? So what I found was a difference in how men displayed honor. So for both the roughs and the gentlemen, their self-worth comes from whether their peers give them worth, whether they have public recognition of what they're claiming. But they have very different rituals about how they display their honor and what they do if they're shamed in front of other people. Okay, so just, I guess, to clarify for the readers, the roughs were uh, primarily lower class right. uh, immigrants, and the and they're usually the infantrymen, typically. Right. Roughs are men from the lowest socioeconomic classes in the North, and they can be both immigrants, but also um, they, they could be rural farm laborers, men who didn't have property and who were moving from place to place fought, trying to find work. So regiments from Indiana and Illinois um, had men in them that they called roughs. And these men generally weren't immigrants. They were native-born Americans, but they were men without property, without education, on the lowest rung of the socioeconomic ladder. And then the roughs, their version of honor was very much a, if you are shamed in public, it is a violent response. And, and they proved their manhood through rituals that showed that they could take and give pain. So they got reputation among their peers by showing how tough they were, that they could give pain, that they could take it in brutal fights. Yeah, you, uh, I remember you called, they called them rough and tumbles, right? Yes. yes. Can, and, can you describe like what a rough and tumble exactly is, what it entails? Sure. A rough and tumble is, they would call it, a, it's also a no holds barred fight, where there's basically no rules. And you put two men, um, you know, inside a ring where other men are watching and they just fight each other using their hands until one of them is incapacitated and cannot go on. And there was often eye gouging. That was the thing that surprised me. <laughs> yes. And I mean, particularly that comes from men in, in the rural areas. But yeah, men would actually grow um, fingernails several inches long 
um, in order to use that as a weapon to gouge out somebody's eye. And of course, because in honor, it's about this reputation for toughness for these guys. If you had an eye missing from one of these fights, I mean, it was actually a mark of honor. Wow. And, and so not only was violence a part of it, I also, you also talk about how uh, drinking was an important aspect of displaying honor or manhood amongst the roughs as well. Yes. I mean, it's how much liquor can you consume? You know, how, how much can you drink? And then, of course, the, the liquor led to a lot of the fighting as well. <laughs> okay, so that was the honor of the roughs. What about the gentlemen? So these were typically upper class and they were officers, correct? Right. And even though there were men who considered themselves gentlemen who, who would have been in the infantry as well. Um, but generally, the gentlemen are men who, who have some kind of um, economic status, education. They're recognized in society um, as gentlemen. And then for them, they cannot endure a public insult. And neither can the rest. But for a gentleman, your response is, is I guess, in some ways more refined. It's still a violent response, but it's a challenge. So if you receive a verbal insult as a gentleman, you have to respond to that with a public vindication by showing that you are willing to fight to defend your honor. Um, so if somebody, you know, liar, puppy, coward, words like that, if those words are applied to another man, that's an indication that you have shamed him. And a man of honor among the gentleman class will know that he now has to vindicate himself publicly by responding with an offer to fight. And how was, what was the form of fighting? Was it like rough and tumbles or did they actually use dueling? No, a gentleman would not, um, would not do a rough and tumble fight. Generally, it's a formal, um, either written offer to duel, or there are some men um, in some regions of the Union who the fight would be a fist fight, or um, some of them did offer to shoot at each other with pistols, but it wasn't quite the same form as a duel. So how did that, uh, you talk about this too in your book, um, dueling was illegal uh, in the military. Yes. How did they get around that? And um, I mean, what sort of conflict did that have with these men where they, they had to, you know, vindicate themselves, but at the same time, the military was saying, no, you can't do that. Right. Well, it, where it really places a lot of the pressure is on some of the officers of the regiment. So men who are the lieutenants and the captains, because no one would be prosecuted unless an officer brings a charge against someone. So what we see is that in some regiments, men do these fights of honor, and they never even get prosecuted because their officers believe in that kind of honor, and so their officers just aren't going to bring charges against them. For men who do get formally charged, um, you know, it's a real issue because they have to defend themselves and claim that they are gentlemen, which is why they had to defend their honor, but yet the military has told them to do this is not gentlemanly. <laughs> and, you know, that, so now they feel the shame of being put on trial for what they've done. And it creates a lot of conflict for them internally, but also conflict among officers. And I think that's why we see that it's the, the cases of men who are charged with dueling, that there is the most inconsistent application of justice that there is in the Union Army. I mean, there's some men who are found guilty, some men who are found not guilty, and it just depends on whether the members of the court-martial who are trying the case agree that dueling is a form of honor. We're going to take a quick break for your words from our sponsors. 
wedding season is coming up. And if you are preparing for the big day, I know wedding planning can be really intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Indochino makes it easy to get a fully customizable suit right from your home. Don't just wear any suit on your big day. Wear a custom made-to-measure suit. Suits start at just $499, which is about the same price you'd pay for an off-the-rack suit at a department store. And they've also got custom made-to-measure shirts starting at just $89. So I've talked about my Indochino suit on the podcast before. They've been a longtime podcast sponsor. It's navy blue. The measuring process was super easy. They got these video guides you follow. You'll need another set of hands to help you out with that. But the really fun part is customizing it. Got to customize how I wanted the lapels on the jacket, the pockets, the lining. I went no pleats on the pants on this suit. A lot of fun. And then in a few weeks, you have a made-to-measure custom suit sent directly to your door. When planning your wedding, get a suit as unique as you with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code MANLINESS to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code MANLINESS. And now back to the show. And then, you'd get, like you said, sometimes like the fact that if they said son of a bitch would... When you killed, when when, when that would that would change things somehow. Yes. Well, because what what's interesting about it is you can be charged during the Civil War under the eighty third Article of War with conduct and becoming an officer and a gentleman, and then what that conduct is is what has to be proved in the trial, and then you have to prove that that conduct is not the conduct of a gentleman. So those were some of my favorite cases because there were many men in the Union Army who believed that profanity is one of the worst vices, that it's using profane language corrupts your mind and then leads you down the path to other vices, to to sexual immorality or to drinking. So they view profanity as truly an act that no gentleman would ever publicly use. Whereas for other men, um, speaking in that kind of language is part of their display of of manliness. I mean, they curse and they drink and they fight. So it, it really becomes a place where these different definitions of manhood get fought out is in these trials where an officer uses a phrase like that. Huh. And another interesting thing I thought was fascinating, the difference between the roughs and the gentlemen. Uh, it seems like the honor of the roughs and the, and the manhood of the roughs was very passionate. And, uh, you know, as soon as something happened, you had to respond right away. And yeah. the gentlemen seemed a little bit more reserved. And I, I liked how they described it as, you know, you, you had to keep your cool. That was the, the, the goal of the, the gentleman. Can you describe the, that sort of like stoic honor that those guys had? Yes. Yeah, so the idea of being cool is that in any circumstance, you can act with complete calm and indifference as if nothing unusual is happening to you. So, I mean, in, in battle, you would be walking through this hail of bullets and shrapnel and, and, and walking as calmly as if you were just walking down the street at home. And if somebody is in your face insulting you, you are responding, you know, cleverly making jokes, but just as if nothing was wrong. And so that's what's interesting because the gentleman, I mean, a duel, you could kill someone, but in their mind, what's key is that their violence is restrained. They're only going to display violence in a ritual under certain circumstances that show that their violence is under their control. Whereas with the rust, their violence is out of control. And another I thought was interesting, too, as well, is that idea of being in control. Um, the temperance movement was really <laughs> big amongst uh, the, the gentlemen, the officer class. And I thought that was there's also very humorous uh, anecdotes where 
the officers would try to start temperance uh, movements amongst their men, and the men would sort of rebel against it. The infantrymen would. Yes. Now, even though, and that's what's interesting. I think that's why in so many companies and regiments in the Union Army, there ends up being a lot of conflict between men because there are infantrymen and privates who they also believe in a manliness that has a lot of moral character and you don't drink and you don't curse. And so sometimes you have officers allied with their enlisted men, whereas there's other officers and other enlisted men who drink and fight. And when these men get together in the same regiment, it it can really cause conflict. So I think one of the stories that I told in the book is is in one particular regiment, there are some officers who have temperance meetings um, with some of the men in their regiment. And so then some of the other men in the regiment throw mule urine on their tent when they're trying to meet. And then there's another regiment where officers and men form an anti-temperance society and, you know, where they say the purpose of their society is to drink as much as possible. And, and so that's what I think is interesting is that sometimes gentlemen have men, I think, who are hoping someday to become gentlemen themselves that, that want to display these values of gentility and refinement. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the conf- the conflict between the roughs and the gentlemen, because that was another really fascinating part of your book. Um, because these are two completely different ideas of manhood. Uh, one, you have more refined, more uh, you have to be in control of your emotions. The other one is more violent, um, and you just you act whenever you need to act. Um, how did besides the temperance uh, issue? How else did that conflict arise? Are there any instances in particular where it really you found that it was like a, a perfect example of these two conflicting views of manhood and honor um, butting heads? I think a a big way that I saw it was in the issue of cleanliness. This is a time period where Americans are only just now coming to embrace the idea of bathing (laughs) and, um, you know, taking good care of themselves. And uh, so gentlemen, part of their belief in what makes you a man is that you are clean in your presentation of yourself, clean clothes, clean nails, your hair is trimmed. And I mean, the rust, we have to picture that these men are dirty and that they have long hair and untamed hair and that they revel in that as part of their manliness. And so when you have genteel officers, some of them want to clean up these men. They want to force them to cut their hair. They want to force them to to take a bath two or three times a week. And there was a lot of conflict over that issue. So did um, the I know one aspect of the the honor of the gentleman was you weren't supposed to ever duel or fight someone that was beneath you. Yeah. But were there instances where that was ignored and they actually did you know, duked it out with someone from the rough class? Um, well, duked it out, yes, but not in a sense that they would call it a duel. So what I found is that officers who were gentlemen when they were trying to discipline or punish roughs they would inflict incredible physical corporal punishment on these men, beat them, kick them, tie them up, um, you know, use water torture on them in some cases. So they're using very physical punishments, but that's in their capacity as an officer to an enlisted man. They would never have fought with any of these men, you know, with their uniform off or... Um, you know, just as an ish, a personal issue between them. Yeah, that's all, that was interesting about the um, the bars, right? Like they talked about the roughs would talk about the to the gentlemen. Oh, it's only those bars that are keeping you safe. If you didn't have those bars on you. I would I'd give you a licking. 
Yeah, if you take off those shoulder straps and, and fight me. Yeah, they were always, because they knew, of course, with Army regulations trying to impose the automatic obedience of privates to officers, I mean, you could really, you could face the death penalty if you hit an officer. So it was important for these soldiers when they were trying to assert their manhood to these officers, they wanted these officers to take off their uniforms, go outside the lines of the camp, you know, and fight it out man to man. And I think it was also an assertion of their equality to these officers. Hmm. So how, so a lot of uh, the focus on the history of honor in America typically focuses on Southern or Confederate honor. Right. Uh, Cause that, you know, the South's very famous for their honor culture. How did the, I mean, in your research, have you, what's the difference between Southern honor and the honor of Northern men? Well, I think the biggest difference is just that there's a class of Northern men who they would, they would have a ritual of honor where they would issue a verbal offer to fight. And if someone calls them a coward, they'll say, okay, let's, let's go fight. And by that, they just mean kind of a fist fight. Whereas for Southerners, they really do embrace that ritual of the duel. And there were Northern men who dueled. And that's what I think my book brings out and makes clear. Um, but I think the dueling ritual was, was much more widespread in, in the South. Hmm. But, but I think part of what I'm trying to, to argue in the book and, and what has, has seemed to resonate with historians who have read the book is that there wasn't as big a difference between Northern and Southern honor as we have tried to claim. Very interesting. Um, so how did the Civil War, do you think, shaped America's conception of honor and manhood? I mean, do we still see these strands today, or did one form of honor win out? Um, I mean, what, 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 what's your take on that? Well, I think, I think that dueling as a ritual, um, the Civil War kind of is part of a process of putting an end to that. But certain ways of thinking about honor, I think the Civil War actually gives a shot in the arm to, because, I mean, both sides viewed the war itself as a test of honor. They, I mean, men talk about this. this. We're fighting for the honor of our nation or the honor of our state or... So they think about it in terms of honor, and historians who have looked in the, at the Philippine War, for example, have found that men use a lot of the language of honor in talking about the Philippine War and why that war needs to be fought and why some of the men fight in the war. I've got to, to, to show my honor in, in this war. So I think in terms of men thinking about, I have, I have or the section of the country that I live in or then even my country has honor that must be defended, that must be fought for. I think that way of thinking really continues to today. And I think it's interesting because sometimes when I've made presentations about my book and there have been veterans in the audience, I mean, they'll come up and say, it's still like that in the military. <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll say, this doesn't sound that different to me. Well, well, Dr. Foote, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about my work. Our guest today was Dr. Lorian Foote. She's the author of the book, The Gentleman in the Roughs, Violence, Honor, and Manhood in the Union, in the Union Army. And you can pick up her book on Amazon.com. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. And until next time, stay manly.
sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.